Amen. God bless you.
not. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me together today over to the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. As we look at the word of the Lord together in a second message of a series of facing your giants. And I want to commend you before we actually go into the word this morning. I want to commend you for your participation over the last 21 days of fasting that ended on Friday. How many of you are glad it ended? (laughs) Amen. Y'all trying to be spiritual, don't want to raise your hand up and look like you, you know, that there's any kind of carnality whatsoever. Let me tell you something. I'm glad I can drink Diet Mountain Dew now. Hallelujah. Amen. But I am thankful for what I know that the Lord has accomplished. And you might be sitting there and you might be thinking to yourself, well, I, you know, I can't really tell any difference yet, Pastor. Well, let me just tell you, over the next few weeks and months, believe it, there is going to be a result. Some have already seen things. I've had people that have already testified. One that... Uh, the, the 21st day, I got a text that said, I got a job interview that uh, came to me on the 21st day of the fast. So, listen, I'm telling you, God's already moving. You don't have to get excited about stuff like that. I know you're bubbling on the inside right now. Amen. But it's just going to be those kinds of testimonies that I believe God is is going to move uh, in the midst and God's going to answer and supply and and minister this morning. Let's go over to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and we're going to look at some verses of scripture together because whether we want to admit it, we've all faced fear At one time or another in our lifetime. As a matter of fact, did you realize that there are 322 unique phobias that have actually been identified? 322. Phobia comes from the Greek word for fear and refers to or refers to a panic that is completely out of proportion to the perceived threat behind it. Let me tell you that again. Phobia comes from the Greek word for fear that refers to a panic that is completely out of proportion to the perceived threat behind it. There are extreme cases of a phobia that can result in escalated anxiety and full-edged uh, panic attacks. Number, as a matter of fact, there. Let me, let me just give you at least three this morning. Let me give you number nine out of those 322 is something called brontophobia. Now, this is not the fear of a brontosaurus, but it is the fear or the terror of thunderstorms. And I can tell you that we deal with that one every time that it thunders at the Kennedy house. And if you don't believe me, just ask a few people around here that, that know something about that. Um, claustrophobia is something that is the fear of being trapped in a small place. That's number five. Num- the number one phobia that, that people deal with more than anything else is called arachnophobia. That's the fear of a spider. And that seems to be the number one fear of people. I want to add another one to that. It's called a snakeophobia. <laughs> Big or small, skinny or fat, large or unlarge, any kind of snake. I don't care if it's a black snake, a rat snake, a brown. Listen, a snake is a snake. Okay? And last night, we walked out on the patio, and I was, 
I mean, I was just minding my own business and looked over on one of the patio doors and here comes, here's a snake climbing up the side of the door. And uh, I took a picture of it, sent it to my kids. I said, wow, look, look what I found. And my, my son come, comes back and he says, dad, don't be a pansy. It's a black snake. Pick it up and throw it in the yard. I'm like, uh, I don't touch snakes. Black snakes, white snakes, any kind of snake. I don't touch them. I mean, I just, uh, you know what a better, a better snake is, is one that's dead. Somebody said, well, it eats the poisonous ones. I ain't ever seen one eat a poisonous one. You can't prove it to me. Well, anyway, so. I, I, here's how you deal with this. I didn't kill the snake. I did, I did swish it away or whatever, kind of moved it on, uh, on its path away from the house. But my, my, my point is this, I know what, I know what, um, I know what Jesus did to a snake that crawled into a garden one day, put his heel on top of its head, and the only kind of uh, 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 dealing with a snake that you ought to be having is the kind that you put your foot on top of its head in the name of the Lord and declare that thing under your foot. That's how you deal with that. So when it comes to snakes, I don't, I don't have any love whatsoever for a snake. But we all face fear. I don't care who you are, don't care how long you've been serving God or how long you'll continue to serve God, your relationship with him through uh, until Jesus comes, you're going to face giants. And I want us to look this morning, we'll look at the scripture together at facing your giants, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and looking at verse 46 and verse 47 this is what David said when he came out on the battlefield. He said, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut, your, cut off your head and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47 Everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. So today we're going to look at Possibly, probably the best known Bible story of all times. I don't know anybody that has never dealt with the story of David and Goliath. The only downside that I see to this message this morning is that you might just kind of tune me out because you already know the story and you might sit there and balance your checkbook or you may get on Facebook. If you get on Facebook, you better not post anything because I'll know it when I go check your timeline after a while for this service. So if you're on Facebook, it better be that you're saying, wow, that preacher sure is preaching right now. Amen. But we're going to look together. The armies of Israel and the Philistines, we know the story. They're gathered for war. And David, at this point, is still just a shepherd, a boy, a shepherd boy. But he's been anointed in the midst of his brethren by the prophet Samuel as king over Israel. Now, he's not, he's not moved into the leadership role of king because Saul is still in the role as king of Israel even in he's in the office kind of in name only there will come a time when Saul will be dealt with and he will well we already realize in in this part of the story that Saul's been rejected and the reason that he's been rejected by God is because of something called disobedience 
He had become disobedient to the Lord. King Saul and his army, because of this disobedience, they find themselves in one of the greatest battles that Israel would ever find themselves in or about ready to engage with the army of the Philistines. And what I want to talk to you about this morning, last week we talked about dealing with a giant of discouragement. This week we're going to talk about the giants of fear. And I want to look at seven different strategies that we can put into play, that we can put into place in our lives as we begin to move in this battle against our enemies, when you go out to meet your giant, these are some strategies that you can put into use. But before we do that, would you pray with me this morning? Because I need the Lord's touch to declare his word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit... God, that you would speak in this house and that you would anoint, God, our minds, our hearing, everything about us. Let us right now engage you and heaven. I pray that you would speak to this body of believers. I pray, oh God, that you would touch me in my body this morning, Father. God, that you would continue, Lord, let that anointing of your spirit rest, not only upon me to preach the word, but upon your people today, God, in the name of Jesus. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And everybody said amen and amen. Going to the first strategy we're going to look at this morning. Number one, you've got to describe your problem. Look at verse 4 through verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet. His bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. I don't know if we can really get the magnitude or the picture in our minds of just exactly how the stature of this giant Goliath, well, he's described as a giant, but to kind of kind of put it into perspective, maybe to where we can uh, maybe understand it. If, if you know anything about the NBA and you know anything about, you know, the New York Knicks, there is a, a young man, he's 22 years old. His name is Chris Tabs Porzingis, and he stands at seven foot three inches tall at 22 and plays for the, the New York Knicks. And if you've ever seen this young man in action, he's absolutely amazing on a basketball court. Goliath is described here in Scripture as being just a couple of feet taller than this young man. His body armor weighs 125 pounds. His spear top weighs 15 pounds. It's kind of like throwing a, a shot putt. When we think about this, have you ever noticed that the enemy is always well armed. When you go up to fight against the strategy of Satan, you go up to fight against the kingdom of darkness. Let me tell you this, and I'm not here to glorify or to magnify the, the, the kingdom of darkness in any other way than just to tell you something this morning. When you go into a battle situation against the kingdom of darkness, you better know who you are in Jesus Christ. You better know that you're saved. You better know that your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. You better know that you are anointed because when you go into a battle situation against the kingdom of darkness, know this. They're always, the enemy is always well armed. In verses 8 through 11, 
The word of God tells us that Goliath lays out a challenge to the people of God. He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why did you come out and line up for battle? Am I a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight together. You see, this giant of a problem was not going to go away. As a matter of fact, the Word of God tells us that some 80 times he comes out and he challenges the people of God. As a matter of fact, he said it like this, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Here, here's, here's another thing. I understand the enemy comes and, and he's very cunning. Scripture tells us that. New Testament scripture says he is very cunning. Even, even Peter tells us in, in 1 Peter, he said Satan comes as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's cunning. He's crafty. He, he knows how to talk a good game, and at the same time, understanding that that he makes the first mistake by walking out there and saying something like this, I defy the armies of the Lord God of Israel. There's your first mistake. I would not, I would not be so afraid of picking a fight with somebody, but when you pick a fight with God, When God is the one on the other side of the line and we come out and we say something like, you say, well, people don't talk like that, Pastor. I mean, people just don't, I defy thee in the name of Jesus. Nobody talks like that, Pastor. No, nobody speaks in that fashion. They may not speak in the fashion in which we see here but in a lot of ways, when we, when we come into a battle situation and the enemy begins to rally against us and he begins to say such things as I defy you or I begin to, he begins to defy the, 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 the power of God. You need to know first and foremost that God's got your back. God's got you covered head to toe. But you've got to prepare yourself because whether we want to, honestly, this, this morning, even if we don't want to confess that there is some type of battle, I know that there are people here this morning that are facing a Goliath of debt or they're facing a Goliath of disease or there is a Goliath of depression or there's some type of a Goliath of danger. Don't, don't be surprised from your human eye that it looks invincible invincible it's a giant and when it's a giant it intimidates us but I want you to understand something when this giant of intimidation comes morning and evening understand this I am a child you are a child of the most high God I'm a child of God I belong to Jesus. My sins have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've been sanctified by the power of God. Things that used to be in my life are no more because I choose to be separated from some things in the world that used to drag me down. But it don't stop there, ladies and gentlemen. I am baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God. God gives utterance. I am anointed of God. That's what you've got to declare this morning. I know who
who I am in Christ Jesus. I am covered head to toe. I have to, dis- when, when, when we talk about describing our problem, we're not necessarily describing it in our minds so that we can become more fearful. We are simply saying, when I describe my problem, I am simply going to God and I'm saying, I have an enemy. Here is the enemy. Here's what the enemy is doing. Here is how the enemy is being divisive. Here is how the enemy is coming against my family. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I am making a declaration at this moment that by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I shall not be overcome by my enemy. Hallelujah. Glory. Number two, make sure you're prepared. If you don't get in the scripture, let me tell you something. You can tell people all day long to pray for you, but if you ain't praying for yourself, my Lord, I've been in services where the anointing was so good and so thick, I laid hands and fell out on my own. Amen. Sometimes you got to pray for yourself. Sometimes you can't find a host of people. You ever notice you sometimes go to make a call to get somebody to kind of help you pray (laughs) and you're unable to get them? Maybe it's because at that moment God, God wants to exercise through you the power of prayer. You see, the enemy somehow has made us to believe that our prayers are ineffectual. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God has prepared us. Make sure, well, I just keep knocking all kinds of things down. Make sure you're prepared. It's at this point in the story where David is introduced the youngest of eight boys. His job, taking care of the sheep. He's instructed by his father, I want you to go down and see how the battle is faring. I want you to take these, this food, these crackers and cheese and the, the, the meal that I prepared, I want you to take it to your brothers and I want you to see, bring back word to me how things are going. And so... David makes this 18-mile trip from where he is, from Bethlehem down to the valley of, of Elah. Verse 20 tells us that David left his sheep, which were the responsibility, into the care of another shepherd. His past experiences have prepared him for what he is about to do. And as a shepherd, he's had to go up against a lion. He's had to go up against the bear. We've noticed in scripture that, that David has learned how to rescue sheep out of the midst of danger from the, the lion and the bear. Not to mention, he has a, a spiritual experience with the prophet Samuel, who's anointed him to be the next king. Here's a thought this morning. Have you ever realized or did you ever realize what you're going through today is preparing you for what's coming tomorrow? You ever thought about what you're facing right now? Think about the last 21 days. Think about the things that transpired in those 21 days while you were seeking the Lord. God preparing you each day Day one for day two and day two for day three. Everything, somebody once said, everything I ever needed to learn in life, I learned in kindergarten. There's a preparation. So the things that you are facing tomorrow and next week and over the next few months, when I said to you a while ago, some of you have this thought process in your mind right now, well, I don't feel any different. I don't really feel any more spiritual than I did when I went into that 21-day fast. And, and if we're really honest, about halfway through, maybe the first couple of days you got into it, the enemy of your soul probably told you, why are you even doing this? I mean, really, I mean, why are you doing this? It's not going to make any difference what you're doing. 
It ain't going to matter what you're doing. I mean, really, is it, uh, just go on. Go on and have your cheeseburger. Go on and, 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 and drink your Diet Dr. Pepper and go on and do whatever it is. Whatever it was that you set aside and said to the Lord, here's what I'm going to abstain from for the next 21 days. I guarantee you, if I ask you to lift your hand, you heard it more than one time. Why are you doing this? There, there's no good reason for why you're doing this. It's not going to change anything. Well, isn't that exactly the way the enemy talks to us? I remember when I got saved. I mean, when I really, really, really got saved. You know, the first thing that he told me was this. You didn't get saved. You didn't get saved. You really didn't have an experience with God that changed your life. I remember when, when I, I got full of the Holy Ghost, he changed his argument to me. Now it was, he didn't care I was saved now. He just didn't want me to realize that I really had power with God now. He says to me, you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, the, the difference is now he understands. I, I'm not just saved. I'm not just covered by the blood because I have to have that. I have to be covered and, and by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the sins of my life have to be under the blood of Jesus Christ and sanctified. Amen. Sanctified and cleansed from the world. Lord, I didn't even plan to preach on that this morning, but sanctified, something that we don't talk about a whole lot, sanctified and cleansed from the world, and then God, it makes us a candidate to receive the power of the Holy Ghost into our lives. And the devil don't want you to have the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want you to be baptized. He doesn't want you talking in, in, in tongues. He doesn't want you praying in the Spirit. He doesn't want you uh, uh, being Pentecostal. He doesn't want you to experience the power of God. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know what I would do without the power and the anointing of God's Spirit in operation in my life. I don't want to try a day without it. I don't even want to try to do this. I don't want to pastor. I don't want to preach. I don't want to be a husband, a father, a grandfather without the power of the Holy Ghost. And you say, why? Because being full of God's Spirit is making sure that I am prepared for the battle that is in front of me. Hallelujah. Because when you're in the heat of the battle, and you're faltering. You can remember back to how God brought deliverance. And it'll renew your hope that he will do it again. I'm going to tell you, it's drawing on the, fa the past faithfulness of God's help to you in today's battle that oftentimes reflecting back on that is what will give you the strength to move forward against the forces of, the, of, of darkness. Number three. You've got to overcome pressures from others. You've got to overcome the pressure that comes from others. Because David arrives on day 40. And he walks into some of the greatest brow beating that anybody will ever face in a battle situation. Because when people feel like that they're not getting anywhere in the battle or they have faced some type of a failure or they haven't seen God do for them what he's done for others. This is why I tell people sometimes, you can't tell everybody everything that God's telling you because there will be somebody in the crowd that'll look at you and tell you that you're crazy and you'll believe it. You'll believe what they're saying over what God is saying. Why is it that we can't shut the world out and, and shut off the voice of the enemy, but we can so easily shut off the voice of God when the voice of God is the one we ought to be listening to? The voice of the Lord Jesus Christ will cause us to overcome the pressure that comes from other people. As a matter of fact, uh, David's own family Oh, nobody in your family has ever told you you're crazy. Nobody in your family has ever looked at you 
and thought that you were crazy because you choose to believe God in a situation? Nobody in your family has ever looked at you and said, you know, I, I just, you know, I really think you need to rethink this. Most of the time, it's from our families that we draw some of the greatest fire when it comes to overcoming the pressure. We have to overcome not just the pressure from the world, but oftentimes we have to overcome the pressure from our families. Listen, let me tell you something. Stand strong in the power of God and in the might of His power. Square your shoulders back and just and just stand and believe God. And when God answers that, that problem, when, when God moves in that situation in your life, God will even cause your family to recognize recognize the power of his spirit over your life. I'm telling you, he'll make it come as a testimony to them. You've got to overcome the pressure that comes. Don't be surprised when you're facing a giant that those closest to you what would be the ones that will tell you that you can't do it? Charles Spurgeon suggests that the battle that David had to do with his brother and then King Saul was more trying than actually fighting Goliath. Because when David showed up on the battlefield to bring food to his brothers, they looked at him and said, hmm, why are you here? Oh, I know, excuse, I know why you're here. You're here to show off because you got anointed. The prophet pointed you out. And the prophet anointed you. And the only reason you're here is because you think that you are superior to everybody else. Boy, it's quiet up in here. And if you've never had that happen, if you've never had a, 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 a voice that did not understand what it was that God was doing in your life to look at you and to somehow try to discredit it, and all they can do is all they can do is try to discredit. They, God have mercy. I don't care if a thousand people line up and discredit what God has done in your life. Let the one voice be God Almighty that says yes and amen over your situation and over what God is doing in your life, in your life, and let everybody else be a liar. Amen. Let God be true and every man a liar. Number four, you got to change your perspective. Haddon Robinson said this, in any situation, what you are determines what you see. What you see determines what you do. Friends, if you see yourself as a victim, that's how you're going to react with a victim mentality. But if you see yourself as a victor, that's how you're going to respond. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you that when somebody comes and they attack you, that, that you ought to you ought to rise up in a in an arrogance kind of a way. Listen, sometimes the best thing you can do is say nothing. Is that hard for anybody besides the preacher? <laughs> Let me take you back to a man named Jesus who was spat upon, who was falsely accused, who they took and they beat unmercifully. And Scripture said, he uttered not a word. How do you do that? <laughs> I know what some of you are thinking right now. Well, that's Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that was Jesus. Sometimes your best argument is just to stand still and see the salvation I'm the Lord God. I know I keep going back to something that we preached several weeks ago. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord God who is for you. Oh, uh, Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat, do not be 
afraid. Sometimes the best argument is to stand still and wait on God. And while you're waiting on God, don't look at yourself as the victim. Look at yourself as the victor that you are in Christ Jesus. You might say, I I don't really feel like I'm a victor, but you are. You are. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are victorious. I remember a story years ago of a famous boxer who trained very rigorously for probably the greatest boxing match of his career. He trained, he dieted, he did exactly what his trainer told him to do. He dropped weight, he got conditioned, every part of his body was conditioned, his mind was conditioned, and, 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 and he took the training to heart. He goes and gets into the boxing ring the night of the fight. He comes up against his opponent. His opponent is, you know, as a matter of fact, his opponent is picked to win this thing. He's outmatched, he's outweighted, he's got more experience, and he goes into the ring to fight this giant. And he gets into the ring and the fight begins, the bell is rung and they start throwing punches and 9, 10, 11, 12 rounds later, here's this guy who was unmatched, who was Slated to be the guy that would lose. And he, I mean, he looks like he's been beat to a pulp, but he's still standing. He's got lacerations and bruises. His eyes are swollen. He looks like he is absolutely, all of life has been beat out of him. But when they got into round 13, something happened. I don't know if it was the other guy was more confident because he had, he had given this, this, this man, he'd given this other boxer such a, uh, such a beating that he became confident and thought, you know what, I've got this. And the underdog, <laughs> the underdog got one right cross in and when he did, he connected just right. Bam! On the ground, his opponent, the giant, went. And they started counting one, two, three, and he ain't moving. Four, five, six, he still ain't moving. Seven, eight, nine, ten. And he lifted the underdog's hand up in the air. He can barely stand up now. I mean, he's took a beating. He's cut up. He's bruised up. His eyes, they had to lead him out. His eyes were swollen shut. They take him back to the dressing room and they take his gloves off and unwrap his hands and they, they get him conditioned enough to where he can go home. But before he went home, <laughs> they put a, a million dollar check in his hand. And when his manager drove him home, he walked in the front door and his wife had been watching it on TV. He looked at her and he said, baby... I'm a conqueror. She reached over and grabbed that check out of his hand. She said, yeah, but I'm more than a conqueror. And she didn't even have to fight. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying sometimes just square your shoulders back and stand still, hallelujah, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. That takes me to number five here. You've got to proclaim the name of the Lord. When David went into the battle against Goliath, he said to David, this is what Goliath said. He said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Max Licato captured the contrast between David and Goliath when he said this. It was the toothpick versus the tornado. It was the minibike attacking the 18-wheeler. It was the toy poodle taking on the Rottweiler. But David said, 
His response to Goliath when he said, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? David said, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Let me tell you, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and those that run to it, they are saved. Hallelujah. 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 Amos 4 and 13 describes his name in greater detail. He who forms the mountains, creates the winds, reveals his thoughts to man. He who turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth. The Lord God Almighty, Jehovah. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you've got to proclaim the name of the Lord. You say, I I really, I, I feel cast down. I feel beat up. I feel like the guy you just described. I'm bruised up. I'm cut up. Oh, but hallelujah. I still got a voice. I still got a praise. If I can't do anything else, I'm going to praise him. I didn't bring my rock with me this morning. I laid it right there on the stage. Because if I don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Number six. Number six, you got to be proactive. You got to remember the faithfulness of God instead of your fears. And you got to be proactive and not procrastinate. David, David took the initiative, he took what was familiar to him into the battle. He took a sling and a staff, went down to the water brook and got him some stones because he was proficient. And what was familiar to him. This is one of those cases where something that is familiar to you is a good thing. I know that familiarity breeds contempt. But this is one of those cases where David, you've got to understand why David has been in the midst of the sheepfold. He hasn't just been out there lazy, laying around. There's been something God has been preparing him since day one. And David was from the tribe of the Benjamites. And David understood something about warfare. And he knew, hallelujah. See, when I was growing up, my parents never would let me have have a slingshot. Mm. But David was proficient. He knew exactly how to put the stone into the sling and how to exactly at the right time to let it go. He was proficient. And when he went into the battle situation, he did not go in and try to do something that somebody else had done. He didn't try to wear somebody else's armor. He didn't try to to get up under that anointing when he realized that there was an anointing that God had laid on his life. He didn't need to copy anybody. God had anointed him. And that's what we've got to remind ourselves. God, God has anointed you. You've got to be proactive. You've got to take the initiative. You cannot afford to procrastinate. How long has it been since you ran towards your challenger? I mean, because the enemy is challenging the people of God. Number seven. Number seven is you got to profess faith in God today. You got to profess faith in God this morning. You got to say to God, I know you've got this. I know that you've got me in the palm of your hand. I know you've got my family in the palm of your hand. I know that you've got my church in the palm of your hand. I know that you've got my finances in the palm of your hand. Lord, I know that that child that is wayward and running from you and is on drugs right now, God, you've got them in the palm of your hand in the name of Jesus. Lord, that husband, that husband that is running from you, that wife that refuses to serve God, that child that says, I will not go back to church. I don't want to be a part of the church. Let me 
tell you something. You got to profess faith in God today. God has got them in the palm of his hand. Don't you trust? Don't you just trust, sit back, and just trust, well, they'll get it figured out. You can't just sit back and think that it'll just work out. You've got to profess your faith in God and believe that God, in the name of Jesus, is going to begin to move in the situation. Stand with me right now. Almighty God, somebody lift your hands with me in this room. In the name of Jesus, you are the Almighty One. (laughs) Almighty God, we declare this morning you are great, you are mighty, you are holy, you are righteous, you are ever living, ever present. You are the bright and the morning star. You are the lily that stands in the midst of the valley. You are the rock of strength. You are the rock of my salvation. You are, almighty God, a strength in the midst of a storm. God, we worship you. And we glorify you in this house this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the strength that is ours today. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you. We worship you. I want you to take a moment before we move to this front. I want us to worship. Timmy, I want you to go ahead and sing. Lead us. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Yes. It's who I am. It's who I am. And you're a good, good father. It's who you are. Yes, he is. It's who you are. Yes. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I. Somebody lift your hand right now and declare that he's a good, good father in this room. Come on. you got to lift your voice to him right now. If you're going to get through the struggle, if you're going to get through the warfare, you've got to declare this morning. You've got to declare it and speak it to him. Hallelujah. I want you to start moving to this front right now. Come with your hands raised. Come with your praise on. Start moving to this front right now. You are perfect in all your ways. Yes, you are. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all. Yes, you are. Lord, you're perfect in all of your ways. Yes. To us. You're good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who 
situation, every burden, every trial, every affliction, every stronghold. Oh God, you take authority in the name of Jesus as we walk through every situation. No matter what depth the situation, the height of the situation, how great we feel that it is. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh God, oh God, set my feet upon the rock, and I know that I love you. I need you, though my world is far.
today God we bless you Father I bless you today Lord I bless you today Lord I bless you today reach over and take somebody's hand would you take somebody by the hand right now in the name of Jesus over every situation over every person over every life God, we declare your righteousness. We declare your faithfulness. We declare today, God, that you are at work. You are moving in every, every single family. There's not a family connected to this body that you're not working in. That you supernaturally, by the power of Almighty God, are at work. We honor you. We praise you. We glorify your name. We honor the name of Jesus. We give you praise. I worship you this morning, God. You're a good, good father. And I worship you. I worship you. I give you praise. Holy is the name of the Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. I want to encourage you this week. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, we've been meeting in the foyer. We come and we pray 45 minutes to an hour. I want to invite as many of you to come that will. Wednesday evening, I know the gymnasium is set up, the sanctuary is set up for daycare. But in this area right here, we come together for a time 
of fellowship in the Word, and you need this. I've asked Timmy and Amber on Wednesday nights to just lead us in worship, acoustic, like what he's doing right now. That's how we're going to begin our teaching on Wednesday nights. I want you to come be a part of this. You cannot connect too much. One service a week isn't going to get it done. We need to come together in the name of the Lord. I want to invite you to come. If you've not signed up for the meal, sign up for the meal in the Welcome Center. If you don't want to come for the meal, just come for worship. And, and, and the Word together, be here around 7 o'clock. Some of the greatest fellowship you'll have is, is around those tables. Sharing in one another's burdens. Sharing in one another's week. And I want to encourage you to do that. Mike, can we pray for you? Can we pray for you this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus. God, lay your hand on him. Lay your hand on him right now. In the name of Jesus. Minister to he and Terry. Lift his heart. Lift his heart. In the name of Jesus. God, you know. Yeah.